0: hey everyone john worth i'm here it's this week's sports illustrated tennis podcast unfortunately we have another coronavirus edition this comes with the usual disclaimer slash preface that we feel a little bit sheepish about talking sports and talking tennis while a global pandemic rages but one of the great appeals of sport is that it is diversion and distraction we're also told to keep our routine so it is in that spirit that we will uh, have a conversation I've got Jamie here and we'll talk some tennis but obviously uh, we we do realize there are larger issues confronting us all than uh, whether the French Open should have grabbed those dates on the calendar but Let's talk some tennis for uh, for half an hour or so and maybe it will get our mind off of some of these uh, some of these challenges that we're all dealing with uh Jamie I'll bring you in and I will ask you know this used to be a polite throwaway now I will ask in all sincerity uh, how you're doing
1: <laughs> I'm doing good I uh, staying home I've only gone out for groceries I uh, I'm, I'm hanging in I think we're all just sort of waiting it out uh, I think this is the first podcast we will have uh, that we truly don't have tennis um you know besides the off season we've got a long stretch of the calendar here that is completely open um so it's it's definitely these are strange times
0: yeah and sadly the tide doesn't seem to be going out I mean I see I see this calendar it started as Indian Wells got canceled and a few days after that it was six weeks and then it was the clay season and it looks dangerously close like uh we will be in mid-summer as we speak I, I should timestamp this just because this is all so fast moving you and I are talking what is it the days are all blending together here it is Thursday Uh, what is it Thursday morning uh, Thursday morning East Coast time as of now uh, Wimbledon is technically still on the calendar but but I am not hearing uh, a lot of optimism from my sourcing both uh, within tennis and specifically in, in the UK
1: yeah so, I mean, as you said, we've, we've got a lot going on in the world, but the one thing we can talk about is tennis and when it will come back, I guess, but the biggest, bigger question is how it will come back. At this point, there are so many tournaments up in the air uh, and such a big snowball effect, um, you know, with the kind of anchors of the calendar here with the Olympics thrown in. I know that you talked on our special coronavirus podcast about the impacts impact of the Olympics being postponed but do you want to talk a little bit about that here and how it's really going to affect a lot of things given that it's supposed to take place before the summer of 2021 which I thought was an interesting note in the you know official release from the IOC Uh, what what do you think about how the Olympics will impact tennis uh, this year and next year
0: yeah, I mean, I think we, we need to take a step back and say all of this presupposes, and when we're all knocking on wood or whatever the equivalent is, but all of this presupposes that we are in a bit better position now than we are today. And right. we keep using this word unprecedented, but what us, unpre- and I think it's completely accurate, but what unprecedented also means is that we don't know how the story ends and we don't even know what the next chapter is going to be. So I think. We all uh, have various opinions, for example, about the French Open unilaterally grabbing those dates in late September and early October. That is all based on an assumption that we will be back to gathering in large places and back to having sporting events with an international sport from all over the world. I think that's a pretty big assumption. It's a hopeful assumption, and uh, we we can all sort of put put that aside for the moment. But I do think before we go too far down this road, we ought to acknowledge nobody knows if heaven forbid, a year from now, we are going to be in a position to start holding large global events. Um, As far as the Olympics goes, I think it was a a foregone conclusion. I mean, really, this was sort of fait accompli weeks ago. It's, um, I think, both a pity and also quite telling that it took until Tuesday of this week before the official word came out that the Olympics for 2020 were going to be postponed. We can talk uh, perhaps at another time, Conversation for another date about about why that was, but I do think that first of all, until there is a fixed date for twenty twenty one we know nothing. I right. think that the Olympics is obviously a big draw for a lot of the players, and I think there are some players that are probably prolonging their careers for the Olympic experience. I mean you know Roger Feder is a name that comes to mind. I think that um in, in many ways. He loves, we always say this, he loves being Roger Federer. His body is still holding up. He loves the life and the travel. And he loves that he has a chance to add to his 20 majors. But I also think the Olympics of 2020 was a huge motivation. I mean, I think he really designed his season to peak after the French Open and then after the U.S. Open. So really about an eight, eight to 10 week window, which includes Wimbledon, the Olympics, and the U.S. Open. Who knows what that's going to mean for him going forward. I also think that as we talk about scheduling, no tennis event is going to want to be opposed to the Olympics. I mean, part of this is about drawing players. Um, A part of this also is about viewership and television rights and media rights. And if this happens to overlap with, say, the French Open 2021, I don't think they're going to want to have a large-scale major tennis tournament that conflicts right. with the Olympic Games as much for the viewers as anything else. So will the French Open for the second straight year not be held during the conventional dates? There, there is a lot up in the air right now. And I guess, you know, in, in some ways, sports are a mirror for all of us, right? I mean, all of us are sort of game theory our scheduling and our plans and our lives, and we're figuring out whether it's, you know, kids taking standardized tests, which is a, an issue resonant. in this household right now to um, people worried about jobs and freelancing assignment and shooting. I mean, everybody in every call I've been on, people are trying to assume as much control as they can in a situation where control is not a particularly uh, plentiful quantity, um, plentiful commodity. So, you know, in in sports are sort of doing what the rest of us are doing, which is a lot of best guesses and a lot of trying to cover their bases. I mean, one more point and then I'll, I'll, gladly hand the mic over, is let's not forget the role of insurance in all of these situations in sports. And it's not a particularly sexy topic, (laughs) but a lot of these events have been covered by insurance policies. And if you're Wimbledon, there is a huge difference between Boris Johnson saying this event cannot be held, this is a government edict, we are not allowing large-scale global sporting events. That is a much different situation, at least to people that hold policies, to Wimbledon reaching this conclusion on their own saying we are deciding not to hold that event. So those are two very different scenarios, the same, the same results. So in in a lot, in, you know, in in the grand scheme of things you're going to end up at the same place, but if you are talking about recouping 70% or whatever it is of your revenues for an insurance policy, huge difference between you cannot hold this event and we are choosing not to hold this event. So it's just something to bear in mind. And I think the same thing I heard went for the WTA, which was a little bit, um, a little bit strange how the tours weren't coordinated, but I do think we ought to keep in mind that there are some, uh, some language in these insurance contracts which um, might be dictating behavior and how some of these decisions are being reached in the timing. So anyway, um, feel free to uh, cut me off and take the baton because <laughs> I've, I've just monologued, but thoughts about scheduling.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: No, yeah, I think one of the things you talked about in your mailbag, which... I think is just so interesting and so many people on Twitter have been talking about is Labor Cup and you know September. Now all of a sudden uh, you know Labor Cup split into that spot and really just had two successful years and then now uh, the French Open put its foot down barged in the door without telling anyone and just claimed its spot on the calendar and for me, that was shocking. That you could literally see it happening in real time, where players, uh, you know, people within the sport were were finding out basically on Twitter that this had happened. Um, you know, no one had contacted the tours, no one had reached out to players beforehand. Uh, everyone was finding out in real time, and that was crazy to me. And I I can't believe that they, you know, just went ahead to pick this false spot. Now I know that they we're probably expecting the Olympics to be canceled, but now, uh, that they are, there's this nice two week, uh, spot on the calendar open. So I wonder what they are thinking. Uh, you know, at the the French Federation, given everything that's happened since they jumped ahead with that announcement.
0: If you thought a global pandemic would stop tennis infighting and turf wars, (laughs) boy, were you wrong? Um, I, I will share with you the one, um, a little bit of, of intel I have, which is the French open is much more willing than Wimbledon to have what we're calling a closed door event. So have an event for a TV audience with no fans. I'm told that Wimbledon does not have a lot of interest in that. Uh, That's more appealing to the French open. I'm also told that this, this date that we're now seeing freed up on the calendar, I, I don't think is of great appeal for Wimbledon to move um, who knows again, I mean, who, who knows best case scenario. I think the tennis was scheduled for July 29th. Um, is that right? Uh, at the, you know, the last few days of July extending into the first week of August. I'm not sure that um, Wimbledon has any interest in that. I am very skeptical, unfortunately, about whether there will be a, a Wimbledon 2020 part of that is just a function of what we are hearing about the situation in the UK. I mean, Boris Johnson was talking about um Twelve weeks before we know anything, well, twelve weeks puts us uh, right into to Wimbledon time. Um, but I do think the prospect of holding these events, you know, we're going to see it with WrestleMania, we're going to see it with the NFL Draft. We saw already with UFC. The NBA may move to this scenario. This idea of holding events for a TV audience with no one in the stands—I, I've heard that that is not of particular interest at the uh, at the All England Club. So, who knows? I mean, I, I suggested that. Maybe Indian Wells wants, as long as dates are now uh, a free-for-all, um, maybe Indian <laughs> Wells wants to think about those Olympic dates. Um, people quickly, you know, reminded me that um, the Coachella Valley is not the place you want to be in late July and, and early August. Right. But um, then again, I feel like all norms, and this is not, obviously not just tennis, not just sports. I mean, this is, this is sort of okay. civilization-wide. All norms are off. And right. we are in a uh, in a strange world right now.
1: Yeah, I think I I don't know which player it was, but I saw someone say you know people were getting upset about uh, the French Open claiming the spot or just generally um, you know about the whole situation. And I think uh, someone someone tweeted that let's just be grateful that we could have the possibility of playing then. So I think that that's a you know good step back from the situation to say and. Uh, you know one of the things that was always important and and is always critical for these players ahead of uh, you know the summer swing where you're going from grass to clay and then you've got you've got the summer at the U.S. Open is those those tune-ups those lead-up tournaments and I think the, one of the most interesting things is going to be that first day back for all of us across the board I mean I'm thinking about us, our first day back at the office, my first, uh, you know, commute back on on the subways and the trains. Um, you know, what is it going to be like for the first tournament back? What tournament is that going to be? You know, is that going to be a big major? Is it going, is there going to be some smaller tournament on the the ATP WTA tour that players mo- wouldn't normally play and that all of a sudden has these big names because it's the only one that they can really, uh, you know, get out and play after this hiatus. So that's something I've been thinking about that I think is is going to be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. And I think something that, you know, that's become clear throughout this whole crisis is that, I mean, this is first and foremost, a public health crisis, but also this is at some level, a class crisis. And we are seeing already in New York, certainly, um, you know, disproportionate impact falling to uh, the underprivileged. And I think the same thing is, is mirrored in sports and that, I can't remember, I think Lindsey Danport was saying this, you know, there, there. we forget this in tennis. Some players have their own gyms at home and have access to the training and tennis courts in the backyard and other players don't. I mean, we were talking last week to Devasek Pospisil, who was in his apartment in Vancouver, you know, doing push-ups and sit-ups. And he wasn't so gonna
1: I, hit a ball on a court for a pretty exactly. long time, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a much different scenario when you have, you know, your your own academy and you can even if it's just going out there with a ball machine. Um, and I think that's gonna I think that's gonna play itself out once tennis resumes. I, I don't know. Do you have the hunger to play the Olympics next year that you had this year when twenty twenty was such a financial wash? If you're ranked, you know, number fifty in the world, are you making some different playing decisions because you had one year of your career where you didn't have the income opportunities that uh, you, you expected to. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I also, I want to ask you as someone who was, maybe even still is, I'm, I'm calling you an elite athlete. How <laughs> do you think this time off, I'm calling this this sabbatical nobody wanted, who benefits from this? And who do you think suffers from this among uh, the, the very different types of players there are in tennis? Who, who benefits and who doesn't?
1: That's a very generous label, by the way. Uh, I think the first person that comes to mind is Roger Federer. How did he uh, plan this knee surgery so well? Um, he he definitely comes to mind as someone who will benefit, no doubt, from this hiatus. I mean, he obviously was going to skip a significant time to recover, but he's the first person. But generally, I think you know your point about players who are near the ends of their career and who were. Uh, tailoring their um, year to go to the games or just kind of put a, a ribbon on their, on their tennis career. I think it's going to be very interesting um, to see. The one thing I do think is that rest, recovery, time off, whether that's for the mind or the body uh, for an athlete is going to benefit a lot of them. I think that sometimes, you know, you get caught up in the season and, you know, it's injuries, it's little nagging things. It's the travel, of course, that all these players go through. Um, And this time really gives a lot of people to rest their bodies, you know, heal those little injuries. And then also give their mind a little bit of a break. I think a lot of times we see athletes just get burnt out a little bit. I mean, especially in tennis, we know how grueling the tour is. And this time I think we'll give people a little bit of appreciation and they'll, they'll feel a little bit more grateful for that grind when they're able to get back to it. I think we're all sort of feeling that. Um, so I, I think especially for athletes, it's you, you've got to be sitting there saying, wow, I really wish I was going, going for a hit right now. I, mean, I really wish I was hopping on a 14-hour plane ride right now. So those things, I think, will, will actually benefit the athletes. But, you know, I think there will be some people who might just say, hey, this was my last year. You know, I, I think about someone like Caroline Wozniak. You know, what if, what if she right. had announced that her last tournament was going to be the U.S. Open? What, what does she right. do now? Right. I mean, I think you mentioned uh, Carlos Suarez Navarro, right? Right. Who, um, you know, she has also announced that she was going to finish this year and uh, just play the Olympics. And so now what does she do in her situation when she's been outspoken about that?
0: I was in uh, contact with the, with the Bryan brothers camp and, uh, the, they yeah. are going to stick to their plan. They are not, um, going to prolong this. They declared 2020 their final year and they're going to stick with it. They'll try and play when they can and maybe play world team tennis and hopefully the U.S. Open but they are not going to change their plans. I wonder about Carlos Suarez Navarro, who, uh, first of all, I, I can't think of a player who's more sort of underground appeal. Um, <laughs> a lot of players, like, who doesn't like Carlos Suarez Navarro? But, she, you know, she would have gotten a great send-off at the clay events um, in Definitely. Spain, and she would have played the French Open. She would have played the Olympics. Uh, I wonder if she's reconsidering her, her 2020. I mean, I think, you know, I, I use the term jokingly, but a, a sabbatical, that, that exists in a way as this, you know, as a sort of restorative measure that you take some time off and you come back and you're a little bit replenished spiritually. Maybe you have some different uh, techniques you're bringing back to the job. You've had some time to, uh, to regroup. I think that's the best case scenario that you brought up that these players might get this time back on the back end of their career. I mean, some of them, you know, a player recovering from injuries, um, you mentioned Roger, and Drescu's a name, a Jared Donaldson. I mean, we can, in some ways, maybe this time will help them. Someone like Coco Goff is probably quite frustrated. She had all of this momentum and all this ascent. I guess if there's a plus side to this, she will be uh, chronologically older and perhaps mm-hmm. have some of the restrictions of the age eligibility rule loosened a little bit. I don't know what, um, you know, I, I don't know what a mid-career player is thinking right now. You hope it would be, Boy, this stinks if you're Dominic team, but maybe this will enable me to play into my late (laughs) third. Sorry? Sorry, what were you saying?
1: He could use some time off.
0: He could use some time off. Exactly. He's he could stand to uh to to cut back on the frequent flyer miles. I, I think the other thing you point you mentioned is really good though, that about injuries, where, you know, look at Nadal's schedule over the last really his career, over the last 15 years, and there have been quite a few gaps for injuries often, often at the end of the year. I mean, even Roger had his issues in 2016, 2017. Um, I mean, in 2015, 2016, Djokovic had, had some injury time off. I mean, I think just about every player has learned how to pace themselves and ration their energy and figure out a a way to sort of stay in shape and stay sharp mentally while they're off tour. So I think that's something that maybe they can all draw upon during this time but I think it must be frustrating too because what I was saying before there is no sort of date on the calendar they can circle that a lot of times with injury you have a rehab schedule and if all goes as well as planned yeah Stan Bavrinka has said I'm gonna try and get back by the Australian Open even if I'm only 80 percent and it's something to work toward I think it I, I can't remember who um I saw a tweet uh, by a player, I think it was Ans Jabor who said something to the effect of, you know, I don't know how hard to push myself. I don't know how hard I should be practicing because what am I practicing for? Um, so true. And I think that's something that really uh, every, all, all of us, but an athlete probably feels this extra sharply. That's something that really must be frustrating that you don't know when you're coming back.
1: We've had a lot of stories at SI in the past week on all the Olympians. Athletes who are in sports that this is, you know, this is it. The Olympics mm-hmm. are where they do everything. It's where they make the make or break their careers, uh, their you know, everything they've worked for. And so for them, the fact that everything has essentially been pushed a year, it's almost easier for them to say, all right, I was, you know, tapering, I was really getting myself ready, getting down to within a few months of of the games, and now it's postponed for a year or so. So now they sort of unfortunately but it's very doable just restructure their schedule in order to peak again in you know i'm guessing the summer of 2021 but for you know to your point that's such a great point i mean tennis they don't know when that next tournament's going to pop up i mean as now as of now are they you know is is that early june date something that they're aiming towards and you know as we said earlier that's that that date could be different for every player how do they know you know, what, where they're going and, and what surface they're playing on. I mean, there's so many questions and I think it, again, that first day back is going to be, it's going to be bigger than the first day of school. It's going to be bigger than, you know, that, that first, uh, first match at the Australian open. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where everybody lands and how everyone's feeling.
0: I I always say that the, the Australian open always is sort of this uh, referendum on how tennis players spent their month or maybe two months, if they're lucky, how they spent their off season. I mean, the, the word, you know, sort of the book on Andre Agassi was always that he was successful in Australia because he worked, he and Gil Reyes worked so diligently in um, November, December. This is a whole new level of uh, how I spent my, how I spent my time off. Um, on a positive note, um, has, has anything, uh, what, what's made you smile about tennis in the last week or so?
1: I will say, I mean, this is, this is controversy a little bit, so it's, um, you know, made me smile, but I I guess it's not that positive. But the uh, you talk about how Coco Gauff, you know, her, her age will continue to grow uh, in this time. But uh, one of the things that people have been asking about is the rankings. And so obviously they have frozen them and they will stay put during this hiatus. But the controversy about, uh, you know, Djokovic and his weeks at number one during this time, whether or not uh, you know that should count or not count, I'm curious to hear because for me, this was um, a funny a funny debate that people were really getting at uh, on Twitter.
0: Whether uh, in, you know, in, in theory, he's going to start eclipsing more records when his when his ranking is frozen. Exactly. I mean, uh, I, I think you uh, I, I think these weeks have to count.
1: Ah, do you?
0: I don't think you can. I mean, you know, the time chronologically is going by. I I think. um,
1: But what if he loses at a tournament within that within that time?
0: Yeah. Right. No. I mean, I think it's the same way. You know, Dominic team is he the defending champion of Indian Wells? I would argue yes. Um, No, it's
1: different because it's not. He's not getting points as time passes on. That's just a, a a label essentially, right?
0: Right. Right. I, I think as long as the uh the calendar is marching on, I think you've got to play it where it lies. Oh boy! I think it's very strange to just suddenly turn off the uh, spigot until players can earn can earn points again. Um, let me know. ask you: uh, so social media, anyone distinguish themselves?
1: Um, I think uh, again I said it earlier, but the fact that a lot of these players have found out about news over. Uh, you know, over Twitter, I think is is pretty interesting. Um, the way that I know Joe Kanta has been uh, sharing some of her home workouts and things, which have have been um, you know pretty interesting. I think a lot of people are just turning the camera uh, on their phones, you know, and really giving us a glimpse into what they're doing at home and how they're staying fit, how they're dealing with all of this. So it, it's cool to see. Um, know everyone uh, contribute and i I will say the fact that so many players have donated money um you know to help fight this virus uh has been really good go tennis on that
0: yeah exactly um what
1: about you uh, who's uh who are you oh i
0: think christy on has been an early leader in the clubhouse um we were joking on tennis channel she ranked i I think her ranking is frozen at 96 but she has top five uh Stan Vavrinka has been good. There's a great conversation with Stan Vavrinka and Benoit Pair. Um, first, Benoit Pair has this biblical beer, beard and you're thinking, boy, that guy's been uh, self-isolating for an awful long time. And then you re- remember it's Benoit Pair and he always looks like that. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, if, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great conversation.
1: Vavrinka's um, been pretty good too. Who has? Stan Marvinka, he's been, oh, Stan's
0: been great. great. No, Stan's been great. Yeah, no, Stan Stan. Uh, Stan has top five level uh, social game as well. Um, you know, I, I will uh, plug one of the employers and say that the the Tennis Channel live show that now uh, has brought Andy Roddick out of broadcasting retirement uh, has, has been a lot of fun. It's all done over Skype and Zoom and it's it's been a logistical challenge, but we're on live noon Eastern uh, for three hours every day. I, I've enjoyed the discussion about tennis books. Yes, um, lot, it seems like a lot of people are reading more. I would also point out: uh, Are you watching Tiger King?
1: I am not. Actually, I just finished, or I'm just about to finish, Cheer, uh, which is something that I thought I'd good. never say. But um, that's that's next on the list. Do you recommend it?
0: I would actually I, I would twin this answer. Um, cheer as well but uh it's good to know that there are subcultures that are just as batshit crazy as tennis i mean this this tiger king is like nothing i've seen but uh, i I would put cheer in the same boat um tennis does not have a monopoly on um sort of uh endearing dysfunction if you think uh if you think our sport is wacky have a few episodes with uh with tiger king um i mean looking looking forward what you know, it's it's we're all we're all in the situation where everybody's sort of saying the same thing, right? We're we're hoping for the best and we're hoping this ends sooner rather than later. And everyone's trying to stay sane and stay in shape. Anything sort of specific to tennis you're looking for, apart from uh, sort of the the scheduling sifting itself out?
1: I think one of the things that always really interests me about tennis is how, I mean, especially at the majors, Indian Wells, the you know the men and the women are there we're playing the same tournament um, and really coming together. I think you talk about, you know, this weird subculture, but tennis is very much a a family in that way. And I'm, I'm interested to see when uh, things kind of open up, how players are helping one another. I think, one of the, the interesting things is always before matches, you'll see, you know, players hitting with each other on the the practice court. Um, even right before the match, you know, you're, you're hitting the ball back and forth with your opponent. It's something that people who are not in the sport, like, can't understand. You know, you don't go play a game of pickup or, you know, you don't warm up in, in basketball with your opponent. But you do that in tennis. So the way that people um, will help each other, be there for each other—you know, whether that's hey, come practice on my court or whatever it is—I think is something that I'm looking forward and hopeful to see uh, as we get through this and and come out on the other side.
0: That's well put. I um, that's that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, the that's the more charitable. Um, I, I think people are hopefully thinking in those terms and thinking about coming together. I've had an, an agent um, wrote to me about his idea for setting up some sort of a temporary fund for players who are not flying privately and don't have home gyms to to get through this time. I do hope that some of these schisms in in class, I mean, we sort of, we have them with players. We have them with tournaments as well. I mean, the the French open was definitely a a flex as my kids would say. I'm hoping uh, tennis unifies and doesn't, splinter and that we don't have these, these class distinctions and uh, people with different agendas and different, um, different points of view. I, I hope everyone sort of stays unified. Um, it's, it's a crazy time. I mean, I, I feel like I've probably done, uh, you know, as, as many as a half dozen of these kinds of interviews and conversations every day and sports is just frozen yeah. and we can, Go back and play classic matches, and we're all trying to sort of come up with uh, cre- creative ways to remain fans and tell stories. But it's just really weird not to have any games in any actions. And you say this should be—you uh, know—we're we're coming up on. I, I suspect this this would be final weekend for Indian Wells, and we'd be turning our attention to Miami. Mm-hmm. The sports calendar. You're realizing really has this binding power. I mean, it really is how a lot of us chart our year and never mind our eye our calendar. It's just really weird to think about the last few days of March and not think about tennis and NCAA basketball and opening day coming and the Masters on the horizon and the NBA regular season winding down. It's just a strange, strange time for all of us. But it, um, even,
1: it even ties in with the weather. I mean, I think that spring feeling that comes in the air. is is really reminds us of all those things you're talking about. You know, you have, I feel like that April, Saturday or Sunday, you know, really has that feeling of March Madness. You talk about opening day and in the spring is such a, you know, a big time, all these things. Um, And, and of course, the tennis calendar is so quick moving. And so the fact that we've been stuck really at this point is just, uh, it's unlike anything before.
0: We we used to chart time, you know. We we used to say, "Oh, uh, it's 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 getting warmer, and it must be spring." And here comes here comes baseball. And now it's uh, it's getting warmer. Let's hope that at some cellular level, this will uh, weaken this devastating virus. Strange times, Jamie. Yes,
1: yeah, strange. We uh, we all just have to keep on and and get through it. That's what we've got to do. And luckily, I think, as you said, we've got a lot of good tennis. From years past to to get us through, and lots of good social media people to follow <laughs> in the tennis world to keep us entertained.
0: And I, I think your other point is is really the, the the best point of our conversation, which is if this has the effect of not just freezing rankings but freezing the accumulation of of years. If this has the effect of preserving players of all ages and players getting this time on the back end, if this means Roger Federer can rehab, if this means Serena Williams has some downtime to go be a mom, if this has the impact of prolonging time, um, I, I think that's an optimistic way to look at this, but may, maybe that's something we can all hope for and, and take away is um, some silver lining here in a, in a situation that doesn't have a lot of silver lining right now to, uh, to offer.
1: We got to hold on to what we can. Look at Thank the positive.
0: Um, all right. We will, uh, we will have another podcast uh, next week. We um we're we're out of the business of having live in studio guests, but we will uh we we've had a number of players that we're trying to coordinate um finding a convenient time. Jamie, it's a pleasure as always. Thanks live well, for
1: me.
0: live safe, uh, stay safe, and um we will uh we'll stay in communication, but we'll do this again in a week.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, John.
0: Thanks. All right. That does it for this week. Thanks as always to Jamie. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, A little unconventional, but um, these are, these are unconventional times we're living in. Stay safe, everyone. We will uh, continue to try and bring these podcasts every week. Again, uh, a reminder that tennis channel is doing live programming every day from noon till three Eastern time. Plenty of other uh, classic matches Uh, this week. We're counting down the top hundred players of all time. Um, We all eagerly await the return of live sports, but until then we will do our best to remain fans and we'll do our best to cover the sport. So stay safe, everyone, wherever you are, and we'll do it again in a week.